Hold on to that sense that you're still dirty, even though God has said you're clean, then, well, then you'll, you'll fall into sin again. Asher sat up and looked at Papa with a quizzical face. But I'd never want to steal and lie again, he protested. Well, you've learned the bitter results of your sin, but your heart still draws you towards um, evil. And if you cherish this doubt about God's, uh, the, the lamb's blood covering your sin, then you'll begin doing things to try to persuade Yahweh to forgive you. You'll say, oh, I, I, he's not yet forgiven me yet. And you'll, you'll try instead uh, to, to make him, to prove to him that you're worthy of his forgiveness. What you need to do instead is be grateful that he has forgiven you and trust that. Is that why... I kept praying over and over this afternoon, even after Cotton had died, asking Yahweh to forgive me. Papa nodded. That's the natural response. Your your heart's struggling to believe that your sin was washed away. So you you tried to add um, to the atonement by punishing yourself. I'm cold, Asher shivered. Papa reached into the tent and grabbed a mantle that was there by the, um, the, the doorway of the tent and wrapped Asher in the mantle. Papa thought about it for a moment, and then he said, you know, this mantle that I'm covering you with, would you like it to be around you if it was really dirty and grimy and smelly and gross? Asher laughed, and he said, only if I was really cold. Nobody likes feeling defiled or dirty, Papa said. Like, you having, like you've been feeling ever since um, you stole the knife. But when you sin, there's, there's really only one way to get rid of that dirtiness. That, that dirtiness is like a blanket that covers you. We can't scrub ourselves clean of sin. We need to confess and repent. And, and Yahweh then takes away the dirty robe and covers us with a clean robe of His righteousness. Yahweh, he calls to your heart and he says, come to me and I'll make you clean. That message is a message of guilt. And it says, it convicts you that you're dirty, but it also gives you hope that there's a possibility of being clean. And Papa adjusted the robe and covered Asher's feet as he said, shame has the opposite effect. It doesn't draw you toward Yahweh, it pushes you away. Um, Instead, it says there is no hope. You're dirty and there's no hope for you. Asher thought for a minute. And so I guess I can tell whether it's guilt or shame by whether it makes me feel hopeful or hopeless. That's right, Papa said. So shame made me feel like I had to pray over and over and over again. But if praying won't fix it, then what can I do? Well, you've got the right idea, Papa said. Prayer is still the answer. But you need to pray in faith, not asking over and over and over for God to forgive you, but praying in thanksgiving that he already has. Let your prayers be expressions of faith and gratefulness, not a desperate effort to try to convince him to love and forgive you, because he already does. And, and think about it like this. When, when Jesus or when, when um, Yahweh covers you with his forgiveness, it's like the mercy seat that covers the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. Papa shifted the mat and pulled Asher onto his lap. 
Yahweh wants you to trust in His love. You, you cannot love Him with all your heart unless you believe in His love for you. Only love awakens love. You must not try to make, make up for your sins and make a, atoning, atonement for them by yourself, by your good works that you try to do or by punishing yourself or begging for forgiveness. When you're tempted, your heart will easily be persuaded if that's the way you try to solve the problem, that you can easily make atonement for this sin too. Righteousness, having a right relationship between yourself and Yahweh, comes only by faith in His loving sacrifice. Only by faith, Asher puzzled. Faith is hard for me. Asher, do you remember that time right before we left Egypt when, when we, uh, we had the decree that we, there needed to be a Passover lamb and every firstborn child would die if they weren't covered by that blood. Asher's mind went back to that thrilling and terrifying day. It, over and over and over again, they had seen Moses tell the, the, the Egyptians about something that God was going to do, and, and then Yahweh did it. And it was, it was impossible to not believe. To doubt at all was just foolishness. And so when Moses said that Yahweh was going to send his, his angel and all of the firstborn would die in all of Egypt, unless there was the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their house. Everybody knew it was true. Asher and Eru had stood side by side and watched their, their, their papas dip the hyssop, the flowering hyssop branches in the blood of the lambs that they had, had uh, just killed for the, the supper that they were going to have that night. The, the supper that was going to be the, the quick supper because they were going to leave early that next morning before it was even light. And, and so they watched as they dipped the, the hyssop branches and they, they put the blood on the, the doorposts. And Asher and Eru, they were watching because they wanted to make sure that they did it just right, that nothing that, that Yahweh had told them was overlooked. Yes, Papa, he whispered, I remember. I was so afraid I would die. Do you remember when your fear went away, Papa asked? Yes, it, it was when you painted the doorposts with the blood. When I saw it, I ran inside and I knew I'd be safe in the house. Papa ruffled Asher's hair and says, I remember the look of relief on your face as you raced through that doorway. The reason you felt safe inside is because you knew that we had followed what Yahweh had told us to do and you could trust that Yahweh would protect you. That's faith. Asher pondered Papa's words. Do you see, Papa continued, that's why Yahweh has given us the sanctuary. He wants us to trust the promises he's written into the sanctuary services, promises that your eyes can see acted out in the ceremonies using the, the blood of the lamb. And Papa tightened his arm around Asher as he said, if we have faith in his promises, we trust what he says instead of what we feel. Eventually, our feelings may follow. The next morning, Asher sat up, breathing in a whiff of frying manna cakes. I must have overslept, he thought, as he looked around and saw that nobody else was in the tent. He's awake, Zara said, as Asher stepped out into the, the morning light. 
Mama and, and Zara had picked up the manna that morning and made breakfast, wanting to give Asher some extra sleep. Look, Mama said we could have coriander in our manna this morning, Zara said as she was picking the, the dried brown seeds from one of the, the um, herb pots that her mom had. Judgment day is here, Papa said as he walked around the corner. Asher's been redeemed. We must celebrate. But shouldn't judgment be something we are afraid of? Asher asked. The words just flew out of his mouth. It didn't make sense to him what his papa had just said. Why do you say that, Papa asked. Asher tried to explain. Well, back in Egypt, people often talked about being judged after they died, and they were, I mean, it just sounded so awful and terrible. Mama poured uh, the tiny round coriander seeds into a the, the mortar bowl, and then took her pestle and started grinding the seeds to make a powder that she could put in the manna. The Egyptians don't believe that their gods love them or want a relationship with them, she said. They're only concerned with power or at best justice, and they're not always really good at that. But isn't Yahweh concerned with justice too, Zara asked, crouching by the fire, watching the manna uh, cakes, careful to keep them from burning. If we do wrong, don't we need to be scared too, she asked. Yes, but only if we refuse to confess and forsake our sins, Papa pointed out. Yahweh is a relational God. He loves us, Mama added. That's why we we are so different from everybody else around us. Nobody else really understands this. When Yahweh judges, he doesn't simply decide who is saved and who is lost. He focuses all his energy on doing everything he possibly can to save us. When the Egyptians talked about judgment, it was always about fearing destruction or torture, Asher pondered. He snuggled up close to Papa. Even their sacrifices were just to keep their gods from being mad at them. And, and, well, since we sacrifice, I kind of thought that it was something similar. Oh, not at all, Papa assured him. We don't sacrifice to defend from a God who wants to destroy us. Just the opposite. Yahweh is never against us like the Egyptian gods. Instead, he wants us to be saved, no matter how much it costs him. And that's what the sacrifice reminds us of. One day, the Messiah will come and give himself as our sacrifice. Well, judgment still sounds scary to me, Zara said. Zara, Mama asked, stirring the manna gravy, when I, need, uh, when, I, when I weed the herb pots that I have, do I try to kill the plants or do I try to save them? Zara laughed. Well, you'd do anything to save those plants. They're like your babies. Those plants are the only things I saved from Egypt, Mama said. Um, if, I, if they died, it would be very hard for me to replace them. I'd have to beg or borrow or, and I probably wouldn't be able to find another one. How's that like the judgment, Asher asked? You mean Yahweh's doing everything possible to save us since he loves us so much? Yeah, exactly. Mama blew on that spoonful of gravy to taste it. When I water my little pots every day, that's like the judgment. When I watch their leaves for bugs and do everything I can to protect them from harm, that's like the judgment. They are all precious to me. I do anything in my power to preserve their lives. And that's like the judgment. That's nothing like the Egyptian gods, Zara thought. Um, 
as she wrinkled her forehead. The Egyptians constantly worry about um, whether they, they've got enough money so they can buy a few um, pages from the book of, of the dead so that they can have something with them that will protect them from judgment after they die. I'm so glad I worship Yahweh and not the Egyptian gods or the Canaanite gods, Papa smiled at Asher. Our sanctuary service, the cloud above us, even the manna that we eat and the water from the rock reminds us every day that God loves us and protects us and provides for us. And the morning and evening sacrifice remind us that every day there's hope and chances to grow in love. Yahweh rules with justice, Mama declared, heaping steaming manna cakes onto plates and handing them to Papa and Asher and Zara. The judgment is all about salvation and vindication and deliverance. The only people who need to be scared of the judgment are the ones who keep on breaking relationship with Yahweh and with others by putting themselves first. Yahweh is never against us. And that sort of judgment, Papa grinned, is something to celebrate. The week before the Day of Atonement was a busy week. In fact, the the 10 days leading up to that special day, Mama and Zara had been washing all their clothes and and all their blankets and scouring every pot and every dish and every lamp. And and Papa and and Asher had been collecting sticks and, and cleaning the bigger stuff, hauling in extra water. There was this atmosphere of excitement and anticipation in the camp as the holy day approached. Most importantly, people took time for well, heart preparation. Some people took walks and, and prayed by themselves. Um, and often, people would visit their neighbors or friends' tents, and, uh, and they, would, they would ask for forgiveness and mend the fences that had been broken down over the past year. On the Day of Atonement, there was still a morning and evening sacrifice um, to cover those unintentional sins, but, but every sin... Every intentional sin needed to be dealt with and confessed and repented of and sacrifices made before the Day of Atonement because there were no, um, no sacrifices like that on the Day of Atonement. On that day, you stood before God um, without mediation. So friends stopped by and they would ask for forgiveness and Asher really loved it when they brought their other kids over because he got to play with them. Um, but the morning before the Day of Atonement, this was a, a special morning of preparation. Everybody in the camp woke up early uh, for this special feast that would take place just before sunset. And they, the, the, the women and the, the, the girls would go to a special part of the, of the river and they would bathe and the men and the boys would go to another part that was uh, just for them and they would bathe and everybody would dress in, in fresh, clean robes. Mama and Zara giggled as uh, they tasted the warm manna cakes that afternoon. They were special. Now, I just have to ask you a question as I tell this story. Would you like to taste a manna cake? Yeah? Could I, could I get those? Yeah. I think the, the deacons have a couple things. So, uh, kids, or if you feel like you're a kid, come on forward real quick. Come on. Get up out of your chair and come forward. I did say if you feel like a kid, I've got enough for, like, I think everybody here in the room I have enough for. I, I made these just this morning. I even put coriander seed in them, and I, I have some cinnamon, and, 
And Mama and, uh, and Zara, they had put some cinnamon in the manna cakes this morning, something they got special from Egypt. Come on forward. They're going to come out in a second. I don't know why. What's taking them so long? How did I get the manna? Oh. Preacher never tells his secrets. So, so my daughter tells me, come on forward. My daughter tells me that these aren't technically manna. They're more like pancakes, you know, like bread. Um, I don't know if... These, these do have gluten in them, so if you're allergic to that, go ahead and, and, and um, pull that off. Take one or two. These, these are special. They're made kind of like Mama and Zara would have made theirs. They have honey in them, and they have, they have olive oil, and they have coriander seed and cinnamon. They're really tasty. If you need to take more than one so that your, your, your um, brother or sister or your mom can taste one, that's okay. Mama and Zara were taste testing their special manna cakes that they were made. In fact, this was super special. If you want some, raise your hand. I'm sure the deacons will bring it by. These were really special because they had saved some dried fruit and some cinnamon. Um, and, and, they were, and, and they made sure that these were really special because this was the Day of Atonement, the feast before the Day of Atonement. And it was, it was a, a day that was different than any other day the whole entire year. Nervously, Asher ducked inside the tent because he knew that in just a few minutes, Eru was going to come. Now, he and Eru had not had the best experience for the last few weeks. He had given back the knife, but Eru just didn't seem like he wanted to hang out with Asher anymore. And Asher kind of understood. Hello, the sound of Eru's father's voice um, made Asher's heart leap inside of him. What if Eru won't even talk to me tonight, he thought. Asher wanted to hide in the back of the tent, but decided that it would be better to just swallow his, his fear, and, and he forced himself to go outside and meet Eru and his family. And there beside his father was Eru. Hi, mumbled Asher. How are you? Eru stood there with his, his toe kicking the dirt, he said, uh, well, I'm, I'm okay. How about you? Well, glad it's supper time, Asher said. It just was awkward, and he felt that awkwardness. Something was wrong. Their friendship seemed just broken. And even during supper, he'd glance over at Eru, and Eru would turn his face away so they didn't, they didn't lock eyes, and Asher just felt this, this sense of guilt and shame and, and embarrassment, really. I can understand why he doesn't want to be my friend, Asher thought. He found himself beside Asher for a few seconds um, as, as he went up to get more food, and, and uh, he, he forced himself to ask, how's your manna? I love cinnamon. I like cinnamon too, Eru's managed. It reminds me of Egypt, and a little bit of a smile came. But it was still awkward, and Eru went his way, and Asher went to sit at his part uh, of the, the camp. He sighed. The heaviness of the result of his sin was still there. It was a somber reminder of all that he had lost when he chose a knife over his friend. And he thought about the Day of Atonement, at one meant. Yahweh, he wants us to be at one with him and at one with others. In the past, Asher had always dreaded the Day of Atonement. It was a day that you had to fast. I mean, no food for the entire day. 
But now for the first time, there was something at stake, something Asher had invested. He had put his hands on his little lamb and he had sacrificed that lamb and some of that blood was still in the sanctuary. And and he realized that this was a day of new beginnings, of, of cleanness. All the evil that had been placed in the sanctuary throughout that whole year, his and everybody else's, was going to be cleaned out this day. May I, go, may I go to the sanctuary? Asher pleaded. There wasn't going to be a breakfast, so he might as well do something. Uh, Papa nodded. Stand by that corner over there, and he pointed. Uh, pointed to the edge of the, of the curtain, nearest the most holy place. We'll, we'll find you there in a little while, he said. People were already assembling. It was a large space, but there were so many people that not everybody could really fit in very well. And so Asher uh, went quickly to find a spot and save a place for the family. As the trumpet sounded from inside the curtain, Asher tried to picture what was going on out inside and what the priests were doing. He imagined the beautiful red and blue and purple cloths that uh, made the walls that stretched higher than he could reach. He imagined the golden angels woven into that fabric of that curtain. I'm sure he thought that they would gleam with uh, the candles that were burning there in the holy place. He, in, in his imagination, inhaled the rich, bittersweet incense smoke and visualized it drifting over that curtain. And, and then he, he kind of actually did smell some of that incense smoke that was coming out of the sanctuary. And he imagined his prayers floating up in that smoke, up, up over the veil into the most holy place where Yahweh's glory blazed over that mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. The usual morning sacrifices had already been made now, covering the sins of the people, that the, those unintentional sins that had, they had committed since the evening sacrifice. Anybody who had confessed and repented would be covered that morning. And though he couldn't see it, Asher knew that two goats were being led into the sanctuary, and and through a special ceremony, one would be chosen to be the Lord's goat, and it would be sacrificed, and the other would be chosen to be Azazel, the, the, the goat that they would let out into the wilderness. There would be a sacrifice to cover the high priest, Aaron, and his family, and, and the process of sacrifices and this, all the stuff that was going to go on would take a few hours, so they're going to be there for a bit. In his heart... Hopefully, alongside the rest of Israel, he and his family would think and quietly talk about the meaning of every part of the ceremony of that day. Hi, Asher. Asher jumped in surprise um, and in, in turn towards that familiar voice. Oh, hi, Eru. Eru sat down beside him, his face sober. Asher felt a rush of sadness and awkwardness. He wasn't quite sure what to say. Your papa told me I could find you here. You wanted to find me, Asher said. Sure, he shrugged and he looked toward the sanctuary. I mean, I know I didn't talk to you much last night. It's, it's hard to talk with everybody around. I thought you never wanted to talk to me again, Asher said, looking down at his dusty fingers. Well, Eru picked at a, at a weed there. I didn't at first. I was mad. I mean, you knew how sad I was about the losing the knife, but you didn't tell me you had it. I didn't understand why you were so mean to me. Asher sighed. I can't really explain it. I, I felt really bad sometimes, but 
it, it had just been so long and it got harder and harder to admit what I had done. That's what the Day of Atonement is all about. Being close to Yahweh and others, Eru said. I could see that your look last night at supper, that you were really sad. And, and as much as I was upset about my knife, I realized that our friendship means more to me than a knife. And, and since the Day of Atonement is about becoming at one, I thought maybe I should, maybe I should ask for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me for being angry with you? Asher glanced at his friend, a little bit confused. Had he heard correctly? Eru wanted his forgiveness? But I'm the one who messed up, he said. I deserve you to be mad at me. Your sin separated us at first, Eru admitted, but I've been holding on to sin ever since, and my sin has separated us from then. You confessed and repented, and, and you made a sacrifice, but I've been holding on to my um, my grudge, and I, I think the Day of Atonement is the time I, I really need to give that up. Will you forgive me? I forgive you for being mad at me, Asher said. That's the least I can do. Then we're both covered by the atonement, Iru grinned at Asher. We have a new beginning. By the way, will you teach me how to whittle with a knife? I'm not very good at it, and your whittling looked really good. Oh, I'd love to, Asher smiled with a sigh of relief. There they are. Asher spotted Zara and Ela running towards them, with Papa and Mama following, and Eru's parents were close behind them, and they were looking around trying to find Asher, and Eru called out, we're over here, over here. When will the sacrifice happen? Zara asked Papa. Asher felt a twinge of sadness when he heard her say that, as he imagined the sacrifice taking place in that very same spot where he had laid his hands on cotton. Sometime in the next hour, I think, Papa said. Shortly thereafter, a rumor, uh, a murmur spread through the crowd, starting at the other end of the sanctuary, near where the, the, the entrance was. Azazel, the scapegoat has been chosen, somebody said, and, and it was repeated by the crowd until it got to Asher and his family. That goat, the, the Azazel goat, represented, well, it represented the, uh, the accuser. But it would have also represented Asher if he hadn't repented. And Asher started to think about that. If I had waited until today and I had not confessed, then my sin would not be going into the sanctuary. Like the Azazel goat, I would have to carry that sin away from the camp. Another bustle in the crowd, and they learned the, the Lord's goat had been sacrificed. The crowd hushed as they listened. Asher could hear the tinkling of the bells at the hem of the high priest's robes as he walked through the sanctuary up to the veil between the holy and most holy places. And there, the tinkling stopped. And they knew that the high priest was praying, Yahweh, my sins are before your throne now, Asher prayed in his heart. Wipe them out forever, please. He heard the rhythm of the, the high priest's bells uh, pause again as he went behind the veil and then stopped at the Ark of the Covenant. After a pause, the bells jingled again and, and they heard those bells moving away from them back into the holy place. And all at once, 
Asher realized he'd been holding his breath and that he wasn't the only one. Everybody seemed to breathe again and, and, and somebody um, let out a, a, a joyful praise the Lord, alleluia. Another person decided to, to praise in a different way. They started singing a psalm and others joined in and pretty soon the whole congregation was singing. At home that evening, Asher and Zara knelt on the mat in front of the tent with Papa and Mama to pray as the ram's horn blew for the evening sacrifice. Even on the Day of Atonement, Asher realized, there are still ways that we have not perfectly kept and obeyed the law of Yahweh to love Him and to love others. We have more to learn every day about loving well. And yet Yahweh accepts us and He loves us just as we are. And and as if echoing Asher's thoughts, um, Papa leaned over and wrapped his arms around Asher and, and Zara and pulled them close. And he says, even today, we need the morning and evening offerings. The day of atonement above any other day is a day filled with grace and new beginnings. Asher's story is a story that really is our story. You know, Asher lived in a time where he, had a, he lived in a tent, and most of us don't live in a tent, and he, he ate manna cakes, and besides the rough uh, facsimile that I gave you today, we don't eat manna cakes. Um, we don't see water rushing out of a wall of, of rock, but he saw that happen. Uh, and, and in a way, Asher's experience was like seeing nuggets of God's grace everywhere around him. He saw the sanctuary. He saw the burning, uh, or not the burning, but the, 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 the pillar of cloud and the fire that was over the sanctuary. He saw the glow of the Shekinah glory at night. He knew God was present. And our experience is different than that, right? It's very different than Asher's. We don't live in tents. We don't drink from that miraculous rock spring. We don't wake up smelling the aroma of incense or sacrifice. There's no trumpet blast to tell us when the morning sacrifice is happening. Our lives are different than Asher's, and yet they really aren't. Unlike Asher, we have the whole testimony of God's love in stories and principles through God's word. We can read it any time. Asher had to hear it every once in a while. We have it in our hands, most all of us, right, near, right here in this room. Every morning, every evening, we can spend time with God in prayer and Bible study. And, and just like Asher, we can ask for God's blood, the blood of Jesus, to cover those unintentional um, or even unknown sins. And every morning and every evening, we can say, Lord, cover me. And we can know for sure that he does, not because we have a a lamb that we've confessed our sins uh, on its head, but because the lamb of God has come and we know Jesus. We have his story clearly in front of us. Asher, Asher lived with the evidences of God's grace sprinkled everywhere in his life. And you and I do too. We might not recognize it, but many of the Israelites didn't recognize it in Asher's day either. The difference between his experience and ours is is really only a difference of faith. 
do we look at what God has shown and do we trust it or not? Asher would have loved to live in our day, to see the Messiah come and, and to know that, that that Messiah, the Lamb of God, is also my high priest, my judge and defender, and that he is doing everything possible in his power during this time, the day of judgment, the day of atonement in heaven, where, where God is judging the saints. And some people don't like the idea that there's a judgment of the saints, but the judgment is God doing everything in his power to save us. Jesus' blood conquering the accuser and overcoming the selfishness and pride and disbelief in our hearts. I think when we look at the story of the sanctuary, we're looking at the story of the new covenant. Some people want to say that it's different, but I want to guarantee that it is not any different. Everything in the Old Testament sanctuary pointed towards the new covenant experience in Jesus. And when Paul said the old covenant is done away with and that the new covenant is based on better promises, the only reason that's different is because the new covenant is based on the reality of Jesus' blood and the old covenant was based on faith that Jesus would come. But the grace has always been there and it's there in your life today. If you've sinned, you know what John tells us? Confess, repent. And what will Jesus do? He will forgive and he will cleanse. And if you feel dirty like Asher did, if you still feel like, oh, it's clinging on to me, remember that that is a lie from Satan. And by faith say, thank you for your forgiveness. Let's stand as we sing our closing hymn.